This is The Engine Room, Home Church Scotland's leadership podcast. Leadership is the driving force behind any organisation. Thanks for joining us as we share some of the things that we've learned on our leadership journey. So we're going to look just for a few minutes, it won't be too long this morning, we'll just look for a few minutes at um, uh, what Pastor Dave said was unusual wisdom in leadership. And we do do things different to the world, we do something similar, but there is always something very different. In Jesus, everything he did was different. It was almost the opposite to what was happening, opposite to what people believed, opposite what people did, he did. And when you read about his responses to you know the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it's like, wow, what incredible wisdom. And of course, that's the kind of wisdom that the Holy Spirit can give us and wants to give us so that we can act in a different way in our world. But in, in leadership, which as I said before, we all are disciple makers, so therefore we are all leaders in, in that respect. Uh, there are many ways in doing it, but how do we do leadership well within the church context? Well, I've taught on leadership for many years um, in industry, and there are 11 main leadership styles. So I'm gonna give you those, just so you can see, it's quite, uh, quite varied. There's the democratic leadership, there's autocratic leadership, there's laissez-faire leadership, there's strategic leadership, there's transformational leadership, we're gonna look at that in a minute, there's transactional leadership, there's coaching leadership, there's bureaucratic leadership, I don't like that one, there's visionary leadership, I like that one, there's pace-setting leadership, and there's situational leadership. So those are apparently those are the ones that are taught in, um, in leadership conferences for businesses and such like. And of course, you can actually find some of these examples of this style of leadership in the Old Testament with some of the leaders there, the good and the bad and the ugly ones in the Old Testament. Now, I was, in, um, I was bivocational for quite a few years, working in the bank, but also running a church and studying. I'm not quite sure. I must have been a lot younger because I don't know how I fitted all that in one day. But um, I think the family saw me occasionally. And I was working in the bank and we had an internal memo came around asking us all to, to gather in the main office at a certain time. And so we all gathered, everybody from the secretaries through to the CEO, uh, were all gathered in this one office, probably about 70, 80 of us, I think, and we were all wondering what was going on. Was this bad news? Were we closing down, being taken over? That's happened a lot in the banks. And as we, we got there, the CEO introduced our new boss from Frankfurt, the big boss, the one that, you know, made the decisions uh, as whether the bank closed or expanded or all those sort of major decisions. And so the CEO introduced this man to us and he started to speak and he greeted us introduced himself and then he said this he said throughout our organization the style of leadership which we adopt as a banking and finance corporation is that of servant leadership as demonstrated by our lord jesus christ yes. Woo! <laughs> if I hadn't been sitting down, I'd have fallen. Uh, you know, I'd have, I'd have fallen over because um, that in this world. I mean, I know this was probably twenty years ago, but even then, that's not the kind of thing that you'd expect the big boss from Frankfurt to come into 
a business environment and say. I thought, wow, that's different. Um, well, we all got back to work. And then I got a call from the CEO's secretary saying that this gentleman wanted to speak with me. So I was thinking, I'd just been to South America. I brought a whole whack of business in, some really top clients. So I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to pat me on the back and say, you know, come and see, shake my hand, pat me on the back, say thank you for bringing in this business, blah, blah, blah. So I went in expecting a two-minute meeting with this guy who was obviously very, very busy. And the first thing he did was he shook my hand and he said, Mike, I understand you're a pastor. <laughs> so I said, yes. I think our church at the time had 22 people in. We'd just taken over a very small church. But yeah, I guess I was a pastor. I was looking after it. And he started to tell me how in London, when he was based in London, that he'd gone on an alpha course got saved, and that he'd worked with Nicky Gumbel to introduce Alpha into the business, or into the workplace. And he'd done that for 10 years. And when he heard that I was, I don't know how he did, but how he, when he heard that I was a pastor, he wanted to talk to me. And we just spoke for half an hour. He's only there for the day. And half an hour of the day, just talking about Jesus. It was just incredible. And um, he'd... He was an influencer, so he was influencing the organization and saying that the type of leadership style that we should have is servant leadership, as demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ, which, uh, which was amazing. Another amazing, just an aside, do you remember those uh, Christmas meals, Bev, that we used to go to for the whole bank? I think it was the, the next meal that we had at Christmas. The CEO secretary came up to me handed me a microphone and said, would you say grace? <laughs> so even from that, it was an opportunity. And I had so many opportunities. It was incredible. But what we're going to look at today is, well, servant leadership. What is that style? And how can we adopt that? What, what, what are the key elements of this that we should be looking at if we're going to be influencing people, helping people, disciple making, all that kind of thing? Well, in Mark 10, we read how James and John, do you remember they, were, they came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, when you come into your kingdom, could I sit on your left and my brother sit on the right? You know, is that okay? And uh, Jesus said immediately, he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus was telling them servant leadership is about serving others. It's about making yourself low in order to lift people up. And that's the complete opposite to what we see in our world, complete opposite to what was happening in his world at the time. And so what were the characteristics of this? How did he demonstrate it? And, and um, how can we identify with what we need to do to step into servant leadership or even have a servant heart like Christ did? 
So these aren't from a leadership course. These are just my thoughts, okay, <laughs> that I came up with the other day. The first thing I see in Christ is compassionate care. Compassionate care. He led with that. He exampled that. And there are so many examples we could draw on, which we won't do today, of how he showed care and compassion for the poor, the needy, for the broken, the marginalized, the foreigners, the women in the society that were treated as second-class citizens, the widows, all of these people. He showed such compassionate care. And I think, I honestly believe that if we don't have compassionate care, we'll never lead effectively will never influence others effectively for Christ. I wonder how many times we've read those scriptures about Jesus was moved with compassion. You know, that's, that's something else, isn't it? It's, it's an internal thing. He sees a need and he's moved with compassion and therefore he intervenes. Um, we can think perhaps how um, the woman in Samaria, do you remember the story? Uh, he met this woman in Samaria by the well. Um, she was coming in midday, so it probably meant she was a bit of an outcast with the other ladies who always came early in the morning. And he broke every convention that you could imagine, every rule, regulation, because one, he spoke to a Samaritan. Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. It was just a historical thing. He also spoke to a woman as a rabbi, Rabbis never spoke to women, certainly not in public. And, and as a man, he, he should never be speaking to a strange woman in public. So he broke every convention there was because what he saw was someone in need. And what he saw was a woman who had messed up her life. She was broken, she was in need, and he spent the time with the compassion that he had for her and you know, as a result, many, it says, many believed in that village. Many believed. And if we show this, this incredible compassionate care, as we influence people, people out there are going to notice. People will notice the churches that care. You know, many churches, I think, have been, in the past, perhaps they've kept within their four walls. You know, they all come in, Sometimes it's been very flashy cars and they all park in the car park and they go into the church but then they disappear and the neighbours, that's all they ever see of the church. You know, I'm sure we already are but we could even increase our influence in the houses and the estates around. Wouldn't that be great? Showing compassionate care. The Saturday night, that's the whole purpose of that, isn't it? So compassionate care is a key element of servant leadership. The second thing I wrote down was demonstrative humility. It wasn't false humility, it was demonstrative humility. How many know there's no room for pride in our lives as Christians? Pride is the opposite to what Christ demonstrated. He demonstrated humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And Jesus demonstrated in his servant leadership humility. I wonder how many times we've seen or even done ourselves become a little bit proud and then we've had a great fall. Proverbs 16, 18, we know it well. People quote it. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
And it was pride that was Satan's downfall. So it's no wonder that Satan, our enemy of our souls, wants to make us well up with some pride. Oh, we've achieved this. We're, we're better than that person. We, you know, and, and that's what Satan wants us to, to, to do because that's what he did. Um, we read about Satan's fall in, in Isaiah 14. Um, it says of him, you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. There are people in this world today who are saying the same thing. The leaders of countries and nations. I will be as great, if not greater than God. But that always comes before a fall and how many leaders have crashed and burned as it were because they've rose up and been proud but then we're told in the scriptures as you know very well in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God he was God he did not consider equality with God the father something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing I, I still don't know if I can fully understand that how Jesus made himself nothing and how do you do that by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross that was true demonstrative humility the same humility that we need to adopt as our life in our lifestyles because it wasn't just on the cross that he modeled humility it was in his life and in his teaching always he came across now don't make the mistake of thinking that humility means weakness humility is strength because when things had to be tackled you know with the pharisees in particular jesus didn't come across as proud and arrogant he came across with authority. So it was from a base of humility, but with authority. And that's what Christ expects of us too, to have a humble heart. But when things need to be addressed, we have to come with the authority of Christ and address them. Then in John 13, uh, remember Jesus, not only is he the son of God, he's the leader of the disciples. He's got his chosen apostles and they're all gathering for a supper. And what does Jesus do? You remember it well. He kind of stripped off and had a towel around him. And he got a bowl of water. And he washed the stinky feet of his disciples. Because in those days they wore sandals. They got all the dust and the dirt of the day on their feet. And he's, he got on his knees and he washed their feet. And he says this in John 13. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I did kind of think, should I get some bowls of water in this morning? And there are some churches apparently that do this. You know, they actually, they come to church and they wash each other's feet. 
I don't think it's what Jesus was actually saying here. Okay, he was demonstrating an ideal. This is what we do. This is this is this is the the pattern that we always are prepared to get down in the dirt and serve someone, bless someone, help someone, showing that heart of humility. The third thing that I've got from this study is Jesus demonstrated indisputable integrity. Indisputable integrity. How that is lacking in our world today. How it's lacking in our politicians in particular. But even in our friends, even in perhaps our own lives, having indisputable integrity is a sign of the servant leader. Pilate said to the crowds in examining Jesus, I find no fault in him. Incredible. He's the judge, could find no fault in Christ. Now, in some of my leadership training in the bank, I would always come to a point where I would say to them, this is something that you must never, ever forget. And I was quite you know, happy with it because I thought of it myself and actually it happened to me. So I kind of used it as illustration. I said, there'll always be someone who wants to shoot you in the back. Never give them ammunition. So they got an empty gun. And it's so important even in our Christian lives and especially in leadership, there'll always be someone, there will, even in church life, perhaps because we're not all perhaps quite there yet, <laughs> you know, in, in demonstrating Christ-like um, attitudes and things. There'll always be someone who want, may want to criticise you. Don't give them anything to criticise you for. Don't give them any ammunition so that if someone wants to shoot you in the back, they're going to have to make something up because they can't find fault in your attitude of your heart. Now, we all make mistakes, of course, and and that's right that someone might point that out if we've made a, a genuine mistake. I'm talking about a lifestyle issue, the way that we act, we act, interact with people, treat people, care for people. Let's make sure that we always have that heart that Christ had and that reputation, that integrity. We always do what we say and say what we do and we don't say things on a Sunday and then somebody sees us in the week doing something the opposite. We have to maintain integrity right throughout, 24-7, throughout our week. Um, the fourth point is this. Jesus demonstrated sacrificial generosity. Now, of course, he sacrificed it all on the cross. His life, everything he gave for us. But he also expects of us to, to show sacrificial generosity in all that we do, because it's not normal in our world to see someone being incredibly generous and sacrificially generous. Because in this world, we find it's obsessed with me, myself, I, looking after number one, what's in it for me. That whole attitude is in society. So to find some people who actually say, you know what, it's not about me. I want to help you. Why do you want to help me? Because I want to, because... That's how I feel. That's the heart that Jesus has given me. He helped everyone. He went out of his way generously to lavish blessing upon other people. So 
I think the only way we can do that is to understand one, one point, that everything we have is his. Everything. Because as Christ gave himself for us, we've given everything to him. So it means that everything that we have is actually his. Everything, our homes, our bank accounts, our jobs, our cars, our guitars. Ooh, yes, they're, they're yours, Lord. <laughs> so I've got four guitars. I did sell one recently. So I had five. So I only got four now. But what we're looking at here is that if we just look at what we have as that we are being stewards of what God's given us. And he's blessed us in that we can use them and we can enjoy them. But if we hold them loosely, if God asks us to give them up, they're yours, Lord, anyway. And I think if we can live with that kind of attitude, and, and you know what, whatever we give, we can never outgive God. Whatever we give to him, he just gives us back in abundance. And I know Bev and I sometimes, when we left the bank, which we had, we were both working in banks and both have very good jobs and good salaries. But when we were asked to give that up, it's like, wow, okay. So we have to move from Guernsey. We've got to sell our family home that we had for 22 years. Uh, we're giving up our jobs. Our salary is going from there to down here somewhere. And we didn't even know... We didn't even know if we could actually survive on the salary we were paid when we moved. Uh, but God is good. He put us in a cottage with a lady from the church uh, on a very, very reasonable rent for six months until we get back on our feet again and, and all sorts of things. God just provides. And I would say if any of you are worried about being over generous, don't. Because just keep giving and it will be given onto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your lap. And it's just happened so many, so many times for us. So let's have this sacrificial generosity spirit in us as we look to influence others. Because if we don't do it, new Christians say, oh, they're a bit mean, they're a bit tight, you know. I mean, it was a joke, wasn't there, once... Uh, um, the pastor came up to a member of the congregation and he said, I noticed you didn't put anything in your offering today, brother. And the little boy said, yeah, because the preaching was rubbish. <laughs> you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't give into church if the sermon's good and not give if it's not good, do we? We give because of God. We're giving to God. And so, yeah, there's lots of jokes like that. But we won't go to those today. So, putting others first, leading by example, giving, serving, sharing, loving, encouraging, blessing, all of these things encapsulate the heart of Christ and, of course, the heart of a servant leader. The closest to servant leadership on that list that I gave you of 11 styles is transformational leadership. And Jesus demonstrated transformational leadership too. It's the closest there is to servant. In fact, it's really servant leadership plus one, transformational. And the reason uh, I'll explain is that 
Transformational leadership is about a leader who invests in people to see them transform into the best version of themselves, the best they can be. And so they put the resources, they put the time, they put the training, they put the effort, they, they come alongside people, they help them through things until those people are transformed from what they were into something else. Now that's in the natural. Imagine transformational leadership in, in the church, in Christianity. Uh, a pastor perhaps, or one of you, coming alongside a person who's just come to Christ, a new babe in Christ, as the scripture says, they need to grow, they need to develop, they need to learn. So it's not just for the pastors or the leadership group to teach those those new Christians, it's all of us. Because we're all influencing, whether we like it or not, we're influencing people coming into the church. You know, our attitude will rub off. And, and one thing we found coming here, to be honest, is we walked in and thought, wow, the love, the care, the compassion, the, you know, it was, it was already here. Well, we could probably up it a level, couldn't we? Yeah. And new Christians in particular, I've seen in the past so many come into a church environment, they get saved, and then they want, they're so excited, they want to go to everything. So they want, to, they want to come to the prayer meeting, they want to come to the Bible study, they want to come to the church cleaning day, whatever it is, and they're there. And yet so many I've heard say to me, where's everybody else? Because they've, they've caught the fire, they've got the passion and the zeal, and they come and they think, well, oh, so there was a hundred odd or whatever it was on a Sunday, but the prayer meeting, there's six you know, so where is everybody? Isn't, isn't prayer important then? And we've seen you Christians go off the boil and some of them slip away. Imagine, just imagine for a moment, if we got as many people in our mid, mid-week meeting as we do on a Sunday. I know that people work, I know there's family commitments. But can you imagine that? A new Christian comes in on a Sunday, thinks, wow, this is great. And they come in a midweek meeting and think, whoa, this is still buzzing as well. I like this. This is great. We have to... Set the example with our own passion for Jesus, our own zeal. And uh, that's what robs off. I, um, I was thinking about how, just to conclude really, how we can help new Christians is really by being the kind of, the best version of ourselves with the Holy Spirit's help in, to influence others. And we went on mission, didn't we, in Jersey, a few years ago, and this was many years ago, before I was a pastor, before I think I'd just really got back where I should be with God. And we went off to mission, and the pastor took us up the top of this big block of flats and started to knock on doors and talk to people, invite them to the service that evening, and that kind of thing. So he'd knock on the door, talk, we'd just stand there, smiling this is great and, and then we got down to the second one floor down it's probably 11 floors I reckon 11 stories and he said oh look at his watch I've got an appointment um, finish off this block and, and then I'll see you back at the church and we were like but oh, we've never done this before uh, this is our training we've just been dropped in the deep end he's knocked on six doors and now he wants us to do the whole block never done anything like that before in our lives and so 
We thought, well, we've got to do it. So we started knocking on doors. And you know what? It's a lot easier than you think. There's a lot of people out there who want to talk. There are lonely people. There are broken people. There are people who are sick. There are people in great need. And to have a friendly face at their door and someone who shows love and care and compassion, that's what our world needs. Okay, not every door is the same, but I would say nine times out of ten they were. And, and it was like, this is actually a lot easier. I, and I would have no problem doing that now, and have done it, and will do it. But it's just an example. Sometimes, as leaders, we need to demonstrate what needs to be done, and then we need to allow those new Christians to have a go. You know what I'm saying? Because they might not do it that well, but they will learn and they will grow and they will take an example from us. But if we're not doing it in the first place, you know, how are they ever going to learn? So my encouragement to you this morning, and I know you're already very committed people in this church and you've got a real heart for community, a heart for Jesus, is let's continue to have that servant heart, but let's also add that extra level transformational leadership that we have such a heart for the new Christians and there's quite a few of them in this church already is to just come alongside them whether they're young or old it doesn't matter encourage them in God help them grow encourage them say if they don't come to the mid uh, midweek meeting so I can pick you up I can bring you you know you're going to enjoy it it's going to be great even we're going to be there tomorrow for our first time we are new (laughs) Um, so yeah just be encouraging sometimes people will come in and they're going to have a lot of baggage they're going to be rough around the edges hey so were we so let's let's have compassion let's have grace let's help them they're not going to be perfect yet they might say the odd word which you know perhaps they shouldn't let's not get offended about that there was one church um you probably know it life church it was abundant life church in bradford and when they started again i'm not sure exact percentage but a large percentage of the church in the new building were new christians or seeking people are seeking not christians yet and so i remember the the minister he actually put two barrels outside the doors with sand in for those who were smoking could go out and have a smoke because you know what, they weren't saved yet. But the, he wanted them in the church because he wanted them to hear the gospel. And sometimes we have to be a bit radical in our way of thinking and very full of grace. Um, and I think that's something that a servant heart, a soft servant heart that Christ had, we should adopt to know that if we want this church to grow, we're going to have people coming here with it who are unrefined. Not that we're refined. But you know what I'm saying? And they're going to need our help, our support, our love, our care. And it's going to get messy, but I don't mind. Do you mind a bit of messy? We don't mind messy. Jesus didn't mind messy. He had 5,000 people on a hillside to try and teach with children running around. Can you imagine how he did that? Yeah, I mean, it must have been difficult, but he did it. And he loved everyone. And I think that's the mark of a servant heart. You know, we're just here to serve. Here to serve people which in turn serves Christ. Amen? Let's just pray, shall we? 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much that you have sent your son Jesus to not only die on the cross and save us from our sins, but also during the time, those three years of ministry, teaching us what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that each and every one of us and those listening to the podcast will perhaps just re-examine, we all re-examine our hearts to understand that we are not coming to church to be served, but we come to serve. And, and help us reverse the pattern of this world. Give us the compassion, the generosity, the, the integrity, all of these things that we need in order that we can help other people's lives transform as well as, our, as ours. Help us be the disciple makers that you called us to be. We pray you're blessing us right now and as we leave in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for The Engine Room. Why not follow or subscribe to this podcast and feel free to do the same to our social media pages as well as our YouTube channel. Find out more about our church at homechurchscotland.org.